Are you a fierce female looking to dominate the franchising world? Look no further. Join your host, Phyllis Pieri, a franchise expert with over 40 years in the industry, who is here to help you unleash your franchise dreams. Join Phyllis on Fierce Females in Franchising, the podcast dedicated to showcasing the power and success of women in franchising, as she interviews badass female founders with inspiring stories, chatting with savvy franchisees about their franchising journeys, and bringing in industry experts to share their top tips for franchise success. Franchising may be the best kept secret in town, but we're here to spill the beans and show you the endless possibilities that franchising has to offer. So, if you're ready to take charge, kick some franchise butt, and become the ultimate franchise queen, then tune in to Fierce Females in Franchising, and let's get started. I'm super excited to be here, and Heidi, I can't remember how many years we've known each other now, but... I have really enjoyed watching the growth of your company and what a wonderful job you did when you took it over from your dad. And what I'd like to do would be to have you basically give us a little history on the world of franchising as you've grown up in it and what that's been like for you. Sure. You know, I talk about my dad being an accidental franchisor because he was actually franchising but didn't know he was. And then found out what the legal definition was and had to go in and figure out how to do it the right way. Really? Yes. Oh, funny. See, I love that. I didn't know that. About <laughs> that was in 1987. And so he actually started franchising in 88. At that time I was in college. I had no interest in this business at all. My dad ran the company for 15 years before he actually approached me and said, Hey, I love what you're doing with training and sales and stuff with my other company. And he goes, I'd love for you to come and help me. And I really didn't know anything about franchising, honestly. It was all new to me. And so as I came in, I remember the very first book I bought was Franchising for Dummies in 2003. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal was our keynote, what, two yes. years ago? Yep. He said that he bought the Franchising for Dummies book. Yeah, no That's lie. It was, it was nice and basic. But then we also started going to IFA events and mm -hmm. I decided to get my CFE so I could really immerse myself into the world of franchising. And of course, just you know, 20 years later, you know, you've kind of been through a lot of different things in the franchising world still is an amazing way to help people get into business and still love the concept of how that works and how we can watch somebody that comes in. They know very little about either running a business or the industry that you're in. I mean, sometimes they'll know one or the other, but they generally don't know both of those and watching them become superstars. I mean, it's like a drug. I mean, I said a lot of times our team, you know, a lot of us have been here for a really long time. And we all say the same thing is when we get those wins, there's nothing like it. Oh, isn't that the truth? And have you found, because I know I have over the years, have you found that sometimes you bring a candidate in and you think, oh my God, this guy is going to be fabulous. And then you bring another one in and you're going, mm, I don't know, with a wing and a prayer, you know, we hope this guy's going to make it. And the Mr. Fabulous turns out to be a dud. And the one you pray over ends up being a superstar. Yeah, it happens so frequently. And I think it takes them by surprise also. Mm -hmm. And so watching them have some self-revelations. And I tell people at the beginning of the journey, you will not be the same person a year from now that you are today. 
Right. So important to know. And yeah. you're going to find out something about yourself that will shock you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those I, things, they come true every time. They do. Yeah. So yeah, it it's, you know, we can do the profiles and we can yeah. do everything possible to try and find the very best for our brands. And yet it really is such an inside job. And I don't think you ever know for sure you know, what's going to be that tipping point. That is correct. Um, There's internal and external motivators for each person. And depending on how quickly they can move to internal motivators, mm -hmm. because so much of our world is designed for external motivation. Mm -hmm. You get praise as a child, you know, you get a raise as your job. There's something that happens. And when you are an entrepreneur, you've got to dig into the internal reasons that you do this every day so that you can stay motivated and positive and wanting to learn, because I think those are really key to growing in anything that you do. Yes, I agree. Totally. So give us a little bit of background on, so you started working with your dad. I think that is so fascinating that he didn't, so, you know, the story about him not realizing he was yeah. a franchise. I mean, I've had people ask me about, you know, should I franchise this business? And, you know, I'm doing this, this, and this. And I'll say, well, as far as franchising goes, if it looks like a duck, yes. and it looks like a duck, <laughs> probably a duck. So they're going to make you become yes. a franchise. And that's what happened with your dad. That is, he uses that exact duck analogy when he talks oh, about it. That is hilarious. <laughs> he was doing, yeah. so he was with Montgomery Ward. So he understood dealerships. And so, you know, in the late seventies is when the FTC came in and created the, the rules. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it really wasn't well known if you weren't in the franchising industry already. So when he started to create dealerships in his cabinet business, and then started tuning up in his cabinet business and offering that to his dealerships, somebody said to him, you know, there's a seminar you should go to. It's called dealerships versus franchising, what you need to know. And it was in Fargo, North Dakota. And my dad said, well, I'll go to it. And he said the exact same words. If it looks like a duck, it sounds like a duck. It's a duck. Because I have a duck. I need to go do something about this. And that's when he found a franchise attorney in Minneapolis and, and really did it everything the right way. But yeah, he didn't really understand that a business like could be a franchise. Mm -hmm. Thought franchises were McDonald's and hotels. He didn't yes. know service businesses could be a franchise. Yes, I know. Yeah. So tell, tell our audience about Kitchen Tune-Up. Sure. And, you know, what is the magic that Kitchen Tune-Up brings and the history? So now we know he didn't know he was a franchise, became <laughs> a franchise. I love that. Uh, so give us a little bit of the, the backstory of Kitchen Tune-Up and how it all evolved. Sure. So Kitchen Tune-Up was really designed as a way to save his cabinet business because he had been going through the early 80s recession and people were not doing a lot of new kitchens. And he realized that most kitchens needed to have a little bit of fixing up. And so decided that we could tune it up just like you could tune up a car. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where it launched. He thought it would be a part-time franchise that people might take on. And maybe a carpet cleaner could take it on as a side business. Yep. To his dismay, he never did sell a franchise to a carpet cleaner. But that was the <laughs> idea. Yeah. In the, and so obviously it continued to grow. As we got into homes, we realized People needed new doors. You know, the doors couldn't be repaired or people needed to have something more, a different color, different style, and eventually even moved all the way full circle back into new cabinets again. So now we have five core services. We've been in business, you know, 35 years and our franchises beyond the five core services. We also have accessories and hardware and everything else that, you know, makes the kitchen look great. So what I love is that we can really take anyone's budget and do something with them. And so they can always get a new kitchen. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's new to them, right? 
New to them. That's right. Absolutely. Yes. Very important because yes. the kitchen, I really do believe is the heart of the home. It is. I mean, isn't that where everybody hangs out? <laughs> I mean, I've got... It's so, it's so emotional of a room. It's not like when you fix your roof or you fix your windows, you have to do those. People want to do their kitchen. And I always tell people, be prepared to be hugged because mm. you will be hugged and people will cry in a good way. Yeah. And usually within a couple months, they said, Heidi, I didn't believe you when you said that, but you are right. I get hugs all the time or they bake <laughs> me cookies or they make me pie. I mean, in my past job, I did not get that sort of gratification that was so immediate when the job was done. And so that's why they love having this business. I love that. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that a kitchen tune-up franchisee has? I always say we have two problems every year and they are the same problems we've had for 20 years. We either don't have enough leads or we have too many leads. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have too many leads, then you are working to get the labor pool, you know, put together. You're looking at, you know, how do you manage your time? If you don't have enough leads, then you're looking to what marketing sources do I need? So both of them have been solved over and over again. They tend to, you know, peak up at different times throughout the business and then throughout a career of a franchise, honestly. And so those are the two things that we continually solve all the time. But if I really thought about what it was that a franchise owner's challenges, it's themselves. It is that thought work, that mind that is constantly telling them things that may not be helpful. You know, yes. <laughs> you know, you always have that little gremlin in your brain that tells you that, you know, you're an imposter or you're doing this. And, and so we do a lot of coaching around thought work and being able to manage those ideas and pick the ones that are serving you the best. And I think that that's very, very important when you're trying to build a business is that you know about managing your own mind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. I'm going to be having guests on that talk a lot about mindset because I Mm -hmm. think it is so important because people, you're right, especially, you know, imposter syndrome is such a big buzzword these days, but I do think, I mean, look how long it's taken me to finally launch this silly podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the stream, the the key didn't work. What can I say? (laughs) So who cares? Um, But yeah, so it's interesting because people don't, you know, they, you know, one of the things I've been sharing lately is people have got to have willingness, willingness to try new things and to, for it not to be perfect and just to get going, right? Just to get going. And I love the fact that you became a CFE. Mm-hmm. I think that is such an important part of franchising. And um, there's something about, taking all those classes. And for Mm -hmm. people that don't know, as I, as you see, I'm very ADD and I jump around. Um, (laughs) We all are. (laughs) Right. But the CFA program, I think is something that is so important because if nothing else, it gets you connected with so many other people in the franchise family. I do. I do consider it a big family. I was so upset that I couldn't go this year. I was all packed and ready to go. And then I had this stupid leak behind me of which we're still in a holding pattern. They're coming tomorrow. Well, I was looking for you, but I I thought maybe there was just so many people I didn't see you. So there you go. No, I couldn't make it. I I had every intention of going and then I had this leak going on and they thought they were going to do work that week. And anyway, so we had these big stories. What are you going to (laughs) do? 
No, right? <laughs> I, I probably need to have somebody to fix that. Then I need to come up with the Tuniverse in a way to do those types of projects. So you didn't have to have the headaches. <laughs> I know, exactly. So, okay. So you're doing kitchen tune-up. Now you have bath tune-up. How right. is bath tune-up doing? And tell us a little bit about how is it different than other people out there? Sure. So bath tune-up has been in my, my dreams probably for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And we did baths for a really long time at Kitchen Tuna, but, you know, just as you would imagine, most people called us for kitchens. Mm-hmm. And so at some point we kind of abandoned the bath program that we had in place about 2010. And I remember saying to my dad, someday we're going to have a bath brand. Like that is going to be the next brand for us. And I kind of started to visualize all of these different services in the home space that I felt like consumers were not getting quality service. They just weren't getting what, what we could do in the Tuniverse, as we call it. And I knew that we could do it better. And then I had myself like three different bathrooms remodeled over about a five-year period. Mm-hmm. Each one of them was challenging. They would be, they would come and meet with me and then they would say, well, go to this store and pick out this and then go to this store and pick out that. And I'm like, I don't have time to run to all these stores. <laughs> right. I mean, and so it, it put a lot of burden on me, the homeowner, to get a lot of things done. And I thought we could do this so much better. So it really was 2019 when we made the final decision to go ahead and launch this. And I wanted to give our kitchen tune-up owners the opportunity to kind of be first in. So we always said, we're going to give you guys a year. And of course, you know, the last day of 2020 is when we were acquired by Home Franchise yeah. Concepts. And that was about two weeks prior to that. We had our very first training school for bath tune-up. Oh, wow. So we kind of said to them, we've got this new emerging brand. We've got this you know, kitchen tune-up that you've been doing the due diligence. And they were like, this is great. We love this idea of bath tune-up. So we do full service remodels in the bath space. And that means that we're going to come in with ideas, designs. We're going to help that customer from, from start to finish, bring in everything that they need so that all they really have to do is call us and say, I have a need and we're going to help them get there. And it's just going to be a completely different experience for them. And we have now 45 locations. We are just, wow, that, yeah, was, fast. that was fast. <laughs> yeah. We're just entering our third year in business. And again, the first you know, full year, we only offered it to kitchen tune-up. So we just started offering it outside at the end of 2021. And so it's been an amazing journey. We've learned a lot. We're actually in the U.S. and Canada right now. I feel like for about every five U.S., we're probably entertaining a Canadian location also. And they're getting the same feedback. You know, our focus on waterproofing quality work, our focus on being able to bring curated designs to them so that if they are doing a guest bath and they can kind of, they just narrow down the color field. We can give them three curations that they they're already ready for them with everything already pre-matched by designers. They, the, you know, the customer loves that. Oh yes. Imagine. Oh, that's fabulous. So, wow. So what our audience doesn't realize, you know, franchising has been around for a long time, but there are franchises that never make it past 25 locations. Correct. Only about 20% ever go past 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to be able to grow and to be very, very grateful, obviously, for what we've been able to do, especially through HFC and their support of helping us to, to grow very quickly. But we're, we're growing, I think, responsibly, too. I, I mean, we're not trying to put in 50 locations in a year. We're trying to do about 18 to 20, get them open, get them successful, because we feel like that is a lot more important. And we can you know, have the patience with a big organization, right? 
Yeah. No, I really admire that because I think a lot, and you and I have been in this industry enough time that we know we've seen things that happen. And my biggest fear always, when I hear a new brand that's all excited and pumped up and they're going to do, you know, 50, a hundred units, it's like, oh my God, how can you possibly service those people? I mean, it's really almost impossible. I don't care how much they bring on. So, you know, those are the red flags that I want people to really pay attention to because, you know, it may sound really great, but at the, at the end of the day, it's really the most important thing is to find out if you have a CEO like Heidi, that's going to take good care of you and you're going to get the support you need and that you've got happy franchise owners. And, and so what does the future look like for you, Heidi? <laughs> yes, this has been really interesting. I get this question a lot. Everyone is very curious after an acquisition, especially as a family owned business, you know, how long do you think you're going to keep working? You know, I get that a lot. And I don't know if that means I'm aging fast or what people are seeing. They're still <laughs> young. Are you I always tell people, you know, here's the thing. As long as we are still having fun and I'm making a difference, this mm-hmm. is where I belong. Yay. The Tunaverse is, you know, kind of a part of me. And I just don't see myself anywhere else. And so it's, it's going to be the Tunaverse until, <laughs> but we, we have some goals. We obviously want to continue our growth. We would love to be a household name in my dad's lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, even though my dad, you know, sold the company, he obviously follows everybody. It's fun to watch him. He like likes everyone's pictures. He's always commenting on them and it's his way to stay connected with everyone. Even if he never met that franchise, it's he's still, still so excited. Baby. It's like, it's his, yeah. It is his baby. And he loves that I'm still here to connect him to, you know, how are things going? And he's very proud of the growth that's happening and and what we're able to do. And the fact that we picked the right place to land and that they're taking very good care of us. And, you know, I I said that at IFA, we had a franchise that won franchisee of the year. So we got to spend some time together just in Vegas a few weeks ago. And one of the things he said to me at dinner was, Heidi, one of the best things you ever did for this company besides showing up and coming in was that you sold it to HFC. Really? He said, because you picked the exact right place for all of us. And I just said, wow, I'm so, so glad that that is your takeaway two years later. Mm-hmm. So share with our audience, who yes. is HFC yeah. and why did you make the decision to sell your company and why HFC? I mean, I think they're a great company, but I just want you to. Yeah. So home franchise concepts, they are privately owned by a company called JM Family. And they had been owned by private equity at different times. And, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with private equity, right? There, there's different goals, whether it's private equity or private or, but JM Family purchased them. And we were the first acquisition after that purchase. So we're nine brands are in the family with us. So we got Budget Blinds and Concrete Craft, Advanta Clean, Taylor Closet, Premier Go through. I'm sure I'm going to miss somebody here. But we we work together to really figure out how can we take the best parts of all of our brands and and bring them to everyone. We've got shared services. We've got access now to people that we would not have access to on our own. You know, the CFO, the CMO. I mean, these are people that most smaller brands could not bring on at the level that they're at. And yet we can all share that those people and have access to them. And that's what's the amazing thing being a part of this. So how we decided this was, you know, really my dad had become more and more risk adverse, you know, as the years went on, as as people do sometimes as they age, they start to get risk adverse. He knew that he was kind of holding back the ability for our company to scale and grow. 
And so we made the decision in mid 2020 to start looking for someone that we wanted to partner with that would help my mom and dad have an exit, but yet I would stay on because that was something I still had a lot of things, especially with bath tunit being so new, it was really yeah. important to me. Um, so we started doing you know, conversations, had lots of conversations with lots of private equity, and then had a conversation. And I also knew people at HFC because as you and I met, I was on the development trail a lot, right? I was out there meeting with everyone in the world of development. And so there were people I met at brands. And so I knew them. And I, I also had heard through the grapevine that they had sold to a private company, which really intrigued me. So I reached out to ask them and they were like, yes, this has been an amazing opportunity. We love it. And right away said, are you interested? Because I would like our CEO to call you. So we started that journey, a couple months of due diligence. And like I said, I felt like JM family and, and home franchise concepts. It was kind of like, it was just an extension of us. Mm-hmm. It was just a bigger family. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that company was founded by a great group of men, yep. uh, budget blinds, those guys. It's funny, I used to tell their story a lot because budget blinds was founded by five guys, two yep. brothers and three best friends. And <laughs> yeah. They, yeah, and they each pitched in the same amount of money and they each had a designated role in the company. And to me, that was my way of educating my clients on what makes up a good partnership. And so I really admired how much they grew that business and they grew it the right way. They took care of their franchise owners and, you know, they were very careful when they brought on other brands. So you picked a great home and you guys are working on owning the home, right? People don't think about the fact that there's so much power in cross merchandising. They've got two maids and a mop. That's right. And that's who I've forgotten. That's right. It's funny because Home Franchise Concepts is up here in Irvine, Newport Beach, California, and Ozzy Petmobile. Well, I'm in Mission Viejo, so I'm halfway between, and they used to be in Dana Point. So, you know, they still are. Yep, they still are. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, part of the the concept with what they're doing is to be able to have two maids and a mop comes in and they clean the house and they notice that the bathroom really could use some help. (laughs) They could drop off a flyer, right? Right. (laughs) That's right. Flyers, cross referrals within the different brands. There's even an app for that. I love it. (laughs) So that it makes it easy for people to find who's close enough to them. So there's some amazing things that you can do with that synergy. Now, Heidi, if I own a kitchen tune-up in California, California is a little tricky. <laughs> do they have to have a uh, contractor's license? They do. And so there's there's about four different ways to probably get a contractor's life license. Usually they need to have somebody that is going to be a qualifier, somebody that will basically that already has a license that will help them depending on their level of education that they've gone through. Some of them will qualify faster, like an architect or somebody that has gone through in a very similar type of an industry, they can get their own license also. And so that's usually what we see happening. We've actually been growing fast in California as of late. So there, there's obviously that excitement that, that is there. And, you know, different States have different licensing, different ones will have, you know, time periods versus a test that you have to take. But it's probably, I would say, maybe eight states out of the entire U.S. And I haven't yet seen anything in in Canada that shows restriction in licensing. Nice. Well, that's good. All right. So uh, who are you looking for as far as a really good franchise owner for your brands? Yes, I'm glad that you asked that. There is definitely some characteristics that I'm looking for. And I think that for most people that run a business, honestly, these are 
true across the board, but I definitely look for people that are kind of naturally optimistic. Ah, mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I don't need any Eeyores. We are looking for people that have that positivity there because it at least plants that uh, seed for them that this is kind of the, the basis of where we're going to bring everything else is from a positive point of view. I also look for people that are wanting to continue to grow in their own personal growth. So I like to ask, what book have you read recently? What are you listening to? What podcast? Because I believe personal growth only enhances your ability to grow as a business owner. Right. I think yeah. those are very, very critical. Maybe it's my teacher in me from before, but I like to see that people are interested in continuing to learn. We always look for people that have a strong interest and passion for just the home improvement industry. Usually people that come in, they're like, I love HGTV. What they love is the reveal. And I said, that is what you're going to find when you work in a business like ours, because they're not going to do the work themselves. I don't want, I don't need contractors to come in or anything. I mean, we have a few here and there, but less than 5% of our franchises have any industry experience. Mm -hmm. They're coming in because they have a passion for home service, for giving the customers a different experience. I find a lot of them, either themselves or a family member, have had a negative experience mm -hmm. with someone. And they're like, there has to be a better way right. yep. to offer this service, right? There has to be somebody out there. And once they find us, they're like, this is the way, this is the, the better mousetrap and how to do this. But we're definitely looking for people that have a passion for the industry because you know this is what they're going to be living for the years that they're doing this business. So those are a couple of the things. Obviously, we have people that are marketing and sales focused, but I also have people that are operationally focused. And so either one of them, they're, we're going to fill the gap with the training on the side that maybe they don't have the strength in when they first come in. But everybody that is willing to learn and wants to grow can learn anything. Right. Of course. Yeah. Well, I would think you wouldn't want tradespeople anyway, because they, it's kind of like when I sold Sir Speedy franchises, I would never sell a franchise to a pressman because we'd catch him running the press. Right. So you don't want a guy doing the work. We don't want people doing the work. It just limits their growth. And That's quite right. honestly, it's not, it's more like buying a job than it is learning how to run a business. Exactly. And, you yeah. know, I think there is a, a gift in franchise ownership and part of that gift is learning these new skill sets that you maybe have never had to put out in display before. And all of a sudden you get to see those come to life. And I think that's one of the gifts of, that you find when you do run your own business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's great. So now you mentioned to me that you do a podcast for your employees. So tell, tell us about that. I actually do it for our franchise owners. Franchise owners. Yeah. So I'm sure that everyone on the team is probably listening most of the time also to see what did Heidi say today. In 2018, when I was really getting busy as president, 2018, a lot of our franchises would say to me, I really miss just having a quick call with you. I really miss like sometimes when I just needed to get pumped up for the day, I would call you and you got me all excited. And I feel like I don't want to bother you for that because you're so busy. I kept thinking, how can I solve that? And my kids were listening to podcasts left and right. And I had never listened to one in my life. And I remember going on to a podcast app and searching for home service or franchise podcast. And there was a ton. And I'm like, oh, wow. So even in my age group, <laughs> at interest level, they have podcasts. So as I started listening to them, what I realized was I could clone myself mm -hmm. in a way that could be easy for our franchises to 
still get that connection with me to mm -hmm. still get that pump up when they need it. So every day it's called tunify your day. We do a less than five minute quick podcast. And then we started another channel called stay tuned, which is where we put our longer conversations. And so if I'm going to have a conversation with a franchise that maybe wants some coaching, I'll say, do you mind if we record it? And could we maybe put that on the podcast? Oh, that's so, good. Yeah. So we'll do that or else we'll maybe take a group call that happened, a, a mastermind or something, and we'll go ahead and put that into the podcast because we find a lot of our owners have a lot of windshield time, you know, mm -hmm. driving between projects or, you know, maybe they're just out and about doing marketing and promotional type things. So this allows them to not have to sit at a computer all day reading email updates, but they get to actually listen to it through the podcast instead. Oh, I think that's so smart. Such a good use of time too. So, so in, what is a typical day like for a Toonie? Well, I tell people that it's probably going to be different most days because you're working with different clients all the time, different homes, different types of projects because of the variety of services that we offer. So a lot of our owners probably get up, you know, maybe they listen to their podcasts as they're getting ready. I hear that a lot. That's kind of the first thing they listen to. And then they're going to probably check and see what's up for the day. Do they need to you know, meet with their team? Does it, do they have to meet with their project manager? They may be out doing promotional things. A lot of times they are just kind of deciding what do they want to do? What hat are they going to wear? Some mm -hmm. franchises like to do some sales calls. Mm -hmm. Some of them like to make sure that they're at every single reveal. So they get a part of the hug. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they want to see that experience because that was what they were buying it for. A lot of times, you know, they might be doing some paperwork. They might be doing some ordering. I tell them that one of our goals when they launch with us, and we have a franchise that was with us 27 years that came to start working for us last year. He said he always wanted to work for the home office, couldn't wait to do it. And he's our launch coach. He helps oh, people when they first launch their business to stay, you know, on track with where they're going. And so, you know, as we are doing all of these launches with people, you know, we're kind of tracking some of the, what, what are they doing each day? They may be checking in with their launch coach. They could be checking in with their regional operations manager. There are so many different things that they will spend their day doing. But my goal for each of them is that at a certain point in time, maybe it's one year in that you could take four consecutive weeks off and your business wouldn't change. And so we try to help them set up their business for that eventuality. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I've always, I pretty much always been self-employed and I've never understood why people wouldn't want to be self-employed because if I want to take a trip, I take a trip. That's I mean, right. I full, right. So, yeah, I think there's nothing better than uh, having your own business. So tell me about some of your successful female franchise owners. Cause I'm dying to have one of them on my podcast. And cause you know, Heidi, one of the goals I have for this podcast is I think franchising is a business that gets overlooked. Mm. And I think people, when they think franchising, they think food, I can't afford food. I don't want food. And so they just pass If I was talking to somebody. So it's like they pass by, pass my store and don't look inside. So I'm trying to figure out a way to, you know, make my store more visible and have people open their eyes to possibilities. And I think franchising is one of the best ones they should consider. I think that's great. And I think for females, it's interesting because when I came in 2003, there wasn't a lot of female led franchises in our industry at the time. And it's just grown from 2017 to now. I mean, it's just grown so much. now. 
I get a lot of the female starting the business with the intention of someday perhaps their spouse will join them. But I also have people saying, I'm just going to run this. This is really interesting to me. I love this industry. And so we just had this week, we had a training class that was a lot of female owners in January. And so they had asked the launch coach, could you find some other female owners to come and talk to us about how to manage and hire subcontractors? And so we did, we brought in four different female owners that came in and coached that group on how they have found to manage subcontractors, which I thought was so amazing. Oh, that's like, so great. Yeah. So yeah, we've got the females that are out there that are you know doing some sales or they're coaching people in their group. I've got one female franchise owner in Minneapolis that has hired quite a few females, you know, to help in, be installers too. Mm-hmm. Some of the idea is how can we open this industry up? Yes right? The, the home improvement industry, how do we open this up as a viable option for everybody, for anybody that wants to get into it? Because the work can be very satisfying. It can be well paid. So this is something that we're kind of putting an initiative, you know, on the ground to say, how do we keep on attracting more people, you know, to come in and work in our businesses, as well as having lead owners being female, because that obviously attracts in more females. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I've got a daughter that's 40 and she is so good with her hands. She's only five. No, she's 4'11". She's very little. And uh, But I, t- I keep telling her she needs to be an appliance repair person because I swear to God, she picks my girlfriend up in Washington. She fixes all of her appliances. She took the dryer apart and then she took the... Re- I've got pictures of her inside the freezer <laughs> trying to get to the back part. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, she would probably, she would probably do great as a tune-up artist for us, right? Somebody that comes out and makes those cabinets just look amazing again after people think they're done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the tune-up artists, you know, we find that a lot of females love to be that artist that gives them an outlet. They're getting done with their work in, you know, six to seven hours, you know, each day. So if they happen to be maybe have a, you know, another job like mom, which is a whole other job for them, they could easily get that done at that time period. So, you know, it's, it's great to see all of the female energy coming through and influencing everyone else too. you know, just kind of seeing that different side of the business mind that I think a female brings in, which I think they bring in more compassion and empathy and things, you know. So Heidi, if, if somebody was listening to this podcast and maybe they liked working with their hands and they going, Oh, I'd like to explore that. Maybe you and I can get together and in the show notes, we'll put some information in there so they could reach out to the franchise owners all have listings, national listings. And so people would be able to see what was available, but yes, I can get you some links for that. Okay. Yeah. That would be fun. Cause I'm going to build up a pacer to help people think outside of the box because people need to open their minds to the possibilities and have willingness to do something different. Sometimes they just need an invitation. Sometimes it's not, they might be thinking it, but they haven't had the invitation yet. Well, we'll give them the invitation. Yeah, let's give them the invitation. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. All right. Heidi, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you wanted to share on this episode? You know, I think that this is a really great platform. I can't wait to listen to all of your future podcasts and hear all the fierce females and franchising because I learn something new every time I listen to anyone really speaking. But when we start listening to the females in franchising, I know that it's just going to be like a note-taking session for me. 
Well, thank you. I so appreciate you being on my podcast. And this is a dream come true for me. Just published my book, The Amazing Itty Bitty Considering a Franchise Book. And it's available on Amazon. And all you have to do is put my name, Phyllis Pierre, in the search bar and I'll pop up and you can buy the book. It's bullet points and paragraphs. Very simple but it gives you a very well-rounded view of all the things you need to do look for a franchise. Yeah. So. And Phyllis knows she's been around for a really long time. Long time. Longer <laughs> than I would like to admit. I'm I say around the industry. Huh? Around the industry. Around, yeah, I have a long time. Well, you know, I started back as a Sir Speedy, working for Sir Speedy in Newport Beach, California, then I owned a Sir Speedy in downtown San Francisco, and then I worked, sold for them for many years. So started in printing. Matter of fact, the Minuteman Press guy was our guest speaker today in my networking group and uh, was so funny listening to him. He bought a resale, big surprise, and uh, he loves the business. And I was at a shop three days ago. It doesn't smell like a print shop anymore because they don't do ink on paper. I miss that smell, but I got a little ink in my blood. Thank you, Heidi. This has been delightful. I so appreciate you being on the show and thank you to our viewers and stay tuned. We'll have another episode next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Fierce Females in Franchising. We hope you feel inspired by the stories and insights shared by our amazing female franchise founders and franchisees. Don't forget to tune in next week for another episode filled with valuable advice, motivation, and a good dose of fun. And if you're ready to take the leap and explore franchising for yourself, head to our website for more information and resources. Remember, franchising is the best kept secret in town, and we're here to help you unlock its endless possibilities. So stay fierce, stay curious, and keep crushing those goals.